Hello and welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you insights from media industry experts to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. This week, we're going to talk about how managing our emotions can make us better journalists. Journalists are often encouraged to bury their emotions so they don't interfere with their work, but that is more likely going to have the opposite effect. When we can identify and manage our emotions, we feel in control and are better equipped to go about our jobs. But doing this requires many skills, and today we'll explore two of those, resilience and emotional intelligence, with Maya Shimanyak, senior lecturer in journalism at Middlesex University and the author of a new book, Managing Emotions in Journalism. We'll explore a broad range of emotions journalists can feel both in the field and at their desks, the good and the bad, and a few easy techniques we can use to keep ourselves in check. All of that's coming up, so don't go anywhere. Maya, welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast. Thank you ever so much for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me. I must admit, I'm very impressed with the output of, of writing that you've done in recent years, Maya. You came out with a book last year about tweeting around Brexit, and you've just come out with one now on managing emotions in journalism. How do you do it? When you have good data, uh, outputs write themselves, sort of. Um, but there, there was a big difference in between the book Tweeting Brexit, which was, which was published last year, and this one. So Tweeting Brexit has been in production for around three years, um, and it reports on various different studies. So there, there is a survey with British citizens, there are interviews with diplomats and journalists. And because of the different kinds of research that had to be done, um, it took longer to be produced. Um, Managing Emotions in Journalism, which came out uh, this year, it kind of wrote itself, really. I had this wonderful data from uh, interviews I've done with British journalists who were really open and frank about their experiences of working in this profession. And I took their quotes, I organized them, did a bit of the academic researcher thing in terms of finding trends and patterns and seeing um, what is the best way to present this information. So the book was actually quite a joy to write and really kind of telling their stories. So it was from the process um, side of things, it was actually quite uh, interesting and I would even say easy to write. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure there was a, a lot of skill that went into it. We're going to focus more on the uh, Managing Emotions in Journalism book today. You know, what was the drive to write this book? What was the reason that you wanted to explore this topic? I would say I I first got motivated by my students. Hmm. Um, I obviously have my own experiences of working as a journalist. Um, and quite frankly, I don't think while I worked as a journalist uh, and I worked in print and broadcast primarily, I was very good at recognizing what I was feeling and how I was reacting to things. Um, and this became more conscious uh, when I started teaching journalism. And um, we usually have these kind of debriefs um, after students um, do exercises or, you know, they produce stories and we have reflective essays where we encourage them to think about not just what they did and how they did it, but also how they felt in the process. Right. And I found it really interesting how students come and they say like, oh my God, that was terrifying. For example, sitting in front of the camera for the first time, or I was really nervous going into an interview. 
Um, I am so anxious about uh, the reception of the story. And it got me thinking of like, well, yeah, actually, journalism is a very emotional profession. You're experiencing emotions in all parts of the process. Yeah. So when I was doing uh, the project, um, which was funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council, it was focused on journalists' emotional labor. One of the first questions I would ask in that interview to journalists that I was interviewing was, um, do you experience any emotions in any part of your job? And if so, which ones? What was interesting there is that I found journalists who I spoke to sometimes struggled with recognizing what it is that they have been experiencing. And this is actually not that uncommon, particularly in a profession where we haven't been discussing how we feel. Well, no, it's normal to bury your emotions, if anything, isn't it? it? It's what a lot of journalists tell me that they have been trained into. And they haven't been trained into recognizing how they're feeling, why they're feeling like that, and what they can do to make themselves feel better. Because with that, they would also be in a better position to produce better quality work. Right. So I had all of this data where journalists were telling me that Actually, you know, all parts of the process and beyond it, there are lots of different kinds of emotions that come about. Mm -hmm. So basically what I've done is I found the patterns and trends in the situations that are likely to induce emotions, what kind of emotions might be induced, and what do journalists do when they're faced with those emotions and those situations. So I'm kind of in the book offering a bit of a briefing to trainees and practitioners of what they might expect, because if you know what might happen, you, you're already kind of better prepared for dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And to give them some tips, advice from journalists who have been in that situation of how they've dealt with it. Yeah. Emotional is a funny word because you tend to think about being upset and being sad. But actually, if, if I take anything from the book, it's that the emotions you experience in journalism are across the spectrum. There's also elation and euphoria. There's also positive emotions that come along with the turf. It's not just doom and gloom. Absolutely. And uh, you might have noticed that the whole last chapter, it's about the joy. Mm. And it, it is strategically placed there at the end of the book to kind of say, well, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, there are certain positive emotions outlined in other chapters as well. So uh, the book is not about, you know, these are the bad things that might happen and, you know, this is how you might feel. It's about emotions in general. So the chapter on uh, finding stories talks about that excitement when, you know, you get a scoop or you're tasked to, to do a, a big story or um, how happy you might feel if, if you land that interviewee that you really want. Uh, the positive adrenaline that you get if you're going live, um, the the feeling of thrill when a story is positively received or you get positive feedback on it. So absolutely. Um, I think the word emotional sometimes get a bad rep in terms of, you know, oh, people are emotional. We're all emotional. We're, we're human beings. We experience emotions in almost everything that we do. So I'm just trying to give it some structure in terms of saying, well, you know, in, in these situations, as a journalist doing your job, you're likely to experience 
these situations which might evoke emotions because in the end you don't need to manage all of your emotions but if they if you notice that they're having a negative effect on you then you need to start thinking about how you can manage either the situation or your emotions in response to that situation or both there are plenty of emotions in journalism both positive and negative there are highs the energy during an interview, the thrill of breaking news, the camaraderie of a newsroom, and there are lows, the anxiety of deadlines, the burden of a heavy story, the stress of getting trolled online. There's plenty more that we'll come back and dig into. For now, two terms are really at the centre of today's discussion. Emotional intelligence, defined as the ability to recognise, articulate and rationalise our emotions, and resilience, which is the steps we put in place to manage these emotions and work through any problems. The point is, the more that we can identify and control our emotions, the more equipped we are to tell stories that matter to our readers and have positive relationships with co-workers. There's a resilience exercise at the beginning of Maya's book, which is a really useful starting point, and she'll be walking through that with me next. Um, Some of these tests for measuring resilience can be quite elaborate. Uh, I've opted for what is called a brief resilience scale, and it really is brief. It, It only has six items. Uh, They include both positive and negative wordings. And for each of the six items, the respondent self-evaluates to what extent they agree or disagree with the statement. Um, I'd like to emphasize that while the test looks quite basic and brief, um, its reliability in terms of being able to predict the levels of resilience and its consequences has been confirmed in research conducted in various countries. Um, So in in short, it's kind of a quick and relatively simple way for anyone to establish their starting point when it comes to resilience. Right. So the first statement says, I tend to bounce back quickly after hard times. Uh, One is strongly disagree and five is strongly agree. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Four. That would be a four. The second statement says, I have a hard time making it through stressful events with five being strongly disagree and one being strongly agree. Hard time. Disagree. Four. Number three. It does not take me long to recover from a stressful event, with one being strongly disagree and five strongly agree. I'd probably sit neutral on that one. Three. Three. Yeah. Next one says, it is hard for me to snap back when something bad happens with five being strongly disagree and one strongly agree. Ooh. Yeah, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, again, neutral on that one again. Give me a three. Number five says, I usually come through difficult times with little trouble. One being strongly disagree and five being strongly agree. A lot of these sound similar. It's kind of hard to tell the difference between them. Um, yeah, questionnaires like to do that. Yeah, just to see what what in the wording makes you think differently. Uh, I usually come through difficult times with little trouble. I would agree with that one. Four. And the final statement is, I tend to take a long time to get over setbacks in my life, with five being strongly disagree and one strongly agree. Um, I'd probably agree with that one a little bit more, too. All right. So so we went through the six statements. We uh, sum up the numbers and divide them by six. Okay. It's 20 divided by six. We have 3.3 reoccurring. 3.3. So the score of 3.3 would place you at the lower end of normal resilience. 
Um, I have seen some studies that have looked on, on a larger population sample. Um, so, for example, Smith and colleagues in their 2013 research found an average score of 3.7. And what the score really tells you is how much space for growth you have. But I think it's also useful, as you mentioned, what going through the exercise does for you is making you think more consciously about your own behaviors, about your own qualities, and how you perceive them, because this is a self-reported uh, questionnaire. Because the statements can be interpreted in quite a subjective way. So, for example, you know, uh, uh, the statement, I tend to take a long time to get over setbacks. What is a setback and what is a long time, that's quite subjective. I'll tell you what it did to me, Byron. It made me think of specific scenarios in my mind and what those and how to then apply. Some of them didn't make me think of anything. So that's where I sat more in the neutral kind of mm, sort of where there were specific examples I could think of. I lent more onto one side of the spectrum. And, and that's useful, even if it just made you more conscious about the situations that made you want to bounce back or what you perceive as a setback. Because as I said previously, we're, we're not always aware that we're going through an, an emotional situation. Um, sometimes emotions can be quite unconscious. You know, it, it's, the, it's those um, quite telling examples are when you kind of lash out at someone, but, you know, it's out of character or, you know, it's, it's, it's a small thing or you feel that you don't have enough energy, you're not motivated to do things, it's likely that you are going through what I would call an emotional situation, but you may not be able to put your finger on it. So even just doing uh, an exercise such as this one makes it more conscious about what might be an emotional situation for you, what kind of things might require you in, to manage your emotions and do something consciously in order to bounce back. Right. I suppose that's where the emotional intelligence comes in to recognize your own signs, your own red flags, and to be able to then interrupt that with your own coping strategies, your own coping techniques to respond to a situation in the face of adversity. It does. Yes. And there are various uh, ways how resilience can be enhanced. So through emotional intelligence is just one of the ways how uh, resilience can be enhanced. And uh, I didn't invent any of this. I'm not a psychologist. I I'm not a sociologist. But when I started noticing uh, the levels of burnout, um, the levels of stress in the profession, the kind of the lack of support uh, also that is um, quite prevalent in, in some newsrooms, I started looking at other fields such as work sociology and psychology to see, are there already solutions there? And one of them that has been tried and tested is the enhancement of, of emotional intelligence. So as you said, emotional intelligence is a skill. So right. we often think about intelligence as something that we're born with. Emotional intelligence is not something you're born with. You might have some predispositions to kind of learn it quicker or, or, or slower, but it's a skill. You develop it through socialization, through uh, talking to people, through education. And the logic of the argument is that if you enhance your emotional intelligence, and like resilience, we're all... Uh, resilient and emotionally intelligent to some extent, 
But if you enhance your emotional intelligence, it would mean that you are better able to recognize, to understand, and to manage your emotions, having more positive outcomes from these situations. Now, what is a positive outcome will differ from person to person. You know, it can be uh, decreased stress. It can be improved communication, whatever it is that matters in that particular situation. Right. And if you are approaching and processing situations and your emotions in that way, that by itself increases resilience because you're able to more quickly and more effectively engage and actively manage a situation. And in that way, you can bounce back more easily instead of, you know, having that dark cloud above your head where you kind of cannot shake off a feeling or you have trouble sleeping uh, there is something that is constantly on your mind and you have trouble processing it. And that's incredibly relevant right now with the news cycle that is in front of so many journalists when they are, you know, probably seeing a lot of distressing things. And you carry that around with you, don't you? You carry that weight around in your in your imaginary backpack. And so that might mean in reality being on the edge and then being on the brink of like exploding at someone or having, you know, an outburst of some kind. So that emotional intelligence, I suppose, in reality would be recognizing you're in that frame of mind to bring yourself down and to prevent that that explosion that outburst am i on the right lines on the right lines yes but i, I like to emphasize that the way how you manage your emotions does not have to be you know you you just thinking it through so recognizing that something is upsetting you is really important and understanding why you're reacting in that way is also very important because emotions are subjective so it's really difficult to assume how somebody is feeling. I would always suggest ask people how they're feeling. Don't assume. Um, and because emotions are subjective, different people in the same situation might be feeling different things and reacting in a, in, in a different way. Interesting. Sometimes it will be enough for you to kind of sort of sit down with yourself, you know, have a thing, take a different perspective of what's going on. And you'll be able to kind of deal with it um, on your own. But quite often, particularly if it's, you know, something really upsetting, you might want to have a chat about this with someone, you know, whether that's a friend, a colleague or a professional. That is also a way you can manage your emotions or uh, setting boundaries. Maybe that will just consist of you setting boundary for yourself, saying, okay, now I'm off the clock. I'm not going to go on Twitter anymore. I'm, I'm not going to watch the evening news because I need a bit of a break. But it might also involve, you know, you discussing with an editor and saying, you know, I've been live blogging on this for the past three days and I need a break. So my point is that while emotional intelligence process is individual, the way how you manage those emotions does not have to be based on the individual level. Right. That's really interesting. Why would you need emotional intelligence during the highs when you're having elation? What what purpose does that serve? So sometimes when you are really excited about something, uh, you're distracted, actually. And it can prevent you actually following the expected routines uh, or delivering to a particular standard because, you know, there is too much adrenaline, there is too, too many endorphins in your body, and that is super motivating, but you're, it, it may also prevent you from 
doing the job as you're expected to do it. So even in those situations, it's quite important that you kind of take the perspective at least, okay, you know, I'm really excited about this, but I still need, in order to kind of deliver on that excitement, I still need to do A, B, and C. This is what, this is the uh, emotion management strategy, which we call stepping. And that is quite useful uh, when excitement is distracting you uh, from doing your job to the best of your ability. Right. Can you go a little bit deeper on the stepping thing? Because I think that's really interesting. So stepping is a technique uh, which is considered under the emotion management strategy, which we call attentional deployment. And stepping basically means that you are breaking down a huge task into smaller steps, which are more manageable. Now, it can be quite useful if you know, you're, you're so excited that uh, you no longer know what you need to do. But it can also be useful when you are, for example, nervous or anxious about a task that's in front of you because, you know, you are, for example, tasked to cover a huge event, which you've always wanted to cover, but you're not sure whether you're up to the task. And just the fact that, you know, your task is to cover it, right. you know, it, it might feel huge in your head. You know, you might be thinking of all of the things that could go wrong and you cannot really imagine or visual, visualize yourself having a successful outcome. If you break it down into smaller steps, for example, you know, just falling back on the routine. Okay, so to cover this, I need to find case studies. I need to contact people. I need to write down interview questions. I need to get permission to record. I need to organize the cameraman. It, it makes it more manageable. And another thing, which kind of how to increase happiness in, in the stepping process, there are people like me who just love checking things. I sometimes at the end of the day, uh, if I like if I've been doing like silly things, you know, answering emails or, you know, doing PowerPoints or something, you know, I will I will write all of that down just so I can put the check marks next next to it. So it's, it's a nice dopamine hit, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So that check mark, that feeling of moving forward, that is what's really important when you're feeling anxious or nervous. OK, so let's recap. Emotions left unchecked and unmanaged can simmer away and lead to bigger issues. Your mind might now naturally go to the negatives, like how frustration can lead to outbursts of anger. Now that's true, but emotions are also positive. That adrenaline rush we feel can sometimes lead to carelessness and mistakes. Putting in place our own coping strategies can help mitigate the problem when we can recognise it first building up. Stepping is one versatile strategy that we can use. That means breaking down a big task into a to-do list so it seems more manageable. Coping strategies are not just individual efforts though. Solutions can also come from managers who can intervene when the stress or excitement is getting too much. Of course, all of this is pulled into focus by the current news cycle which is dominated by so much death, destruction and despair. While we can't presume to know what all journalists are going through, there are some emotions they are very likely to be experiencing right now. And unsurprisingly, many of those who I spoke to uh, told stories of feeling sadness and anger and frustration and fear, sometimes for, for their own lives, uh, particularly kind of when they're reporting from conflict areas. Uh, many of them also experience primary or secondary trauma. So either their life is threatened or they're witnessing uh, someone else's trauma. And that can obviously be, you know, quite emotional and difficult to process. It's not uncommon for them to develop PTSD or depression. 
um, and many media companies nowadays will offer counseling to those who need it. So these issues are recognized, I would say. But we shouldn't forget other journalists who are reporting on these topics, but they may not be on location. So live bloggers, uh, desk reporters, journalists who are working with social media or uh, user-generated content, they may be in newsrooms and their lives may not be threatened, but they are also exposed to horrific visuals and a constant stream of upsetting information. Um, the deputy uh, news editor of The Metro, Sean Elvin, she writes in the book about how she felt exhausted and sad and even guilty when she reported on the Ukraine war last year from the newsroom. So I guess what I want to say is that there is a range of emotions uh, that you can experience in these situations and that no one should be left behind. You know, if everybody who needs support, where, where, whatever kind of task they're doing, should be able to get it. Guilty is a very curious emotion that you talk about there. I suppose that's the feeling of you're reporting from a position of safety where others aren't, right? Exactly. Yeah. And there, there is often also uh, this feeling of, um, particularly for journalists who are in newsrooms and, for example, their colleagues are on location, you know, they are in conflict areas. I've heard that so many times these people say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're having a, a much more horrible time. So, you know, my emotions don't matter. I shouldn't really be talking about them. Mm. And that is quite concerning. Because, uh, as I say, you know, people might be experiencing different kinds of emotions and they don't have to be on location to be exposed to traumatic visuals. Especially not in this day and age with everything that's online and on social media. Exactly. Yeah. I think this really speaks well to the, the range of emotions that come with the turf of being a journalist i mean and and we're only talking about war reporting at this point of course journalism is much broader and there's a there's a broader set of emotions that come with that i think if there's a um, one emotion we haven't talked about that i think most journalists can sympathize with it's um jealousy like when we get scooped you know, it's in a competitive industry and when our competitor gets the story that we don't there's that little bit of oh damn i wish i'd got that or mm, i, I want to do better next time is that something you explored at all uh, it is something that came up in interviews. Absolutely. The good thing about doing the, this kind of research that I've done is that people really open up to you. They told me things that they've never told anyone. Um, on the one side, because they may be in the newsrooms or they have been trained not to talk about particular emotions. Uh, on the other side, because of the reputation that uh, either journalists think that they need to maintain or the reputation of journalists in the society, they might be kind of suppressing uh, or kind of not sharing um, some of their emotions. Jealousy is definitely one of them. It came, um, for example, when we talk about finding stories. Jealousy is definitely an emotion that comes up when someone else, you know, gets a scoop that you think, oh, I might have done that. You know, if only maybe I've done this or that. That also sometimes can come with a bit of anxiety about any kind of self-confidence in, in your own work. So it can kind of develop into something uh, a bit deeper. Uh, jealousy also came up in terms of um, someone else uh, got a better interviewee for me uh, th than me for a particular story. It, it, it can also come up in terms of how a story is received. 
particularly when it when it came to the, the role of web metrics in newsrooms. Uh, some journalists spoke about the fact that, you know, they get maybe jealous because another journalist got story got more hits. But then it's important to kind of put into perspective, you know, why this might have happened. Do you have confidence in the story that you have produced? Are you happy with the standards or the types of sto- stories that, that you're doing? So it's quite often important that that jealousy is managed as well. Um, another feeling that um, I've heard journalists talk about as having to suppress or manage, which may be kind of counterintuitive, is pride. Kind of feeling feeling proud of what they do. And one of the journalists actually told me that he wouldn't say it like publicly, but that they think they've done a really good job in the pandemic in terms of, you know, holding powerful to account and, you know, asking tough questions and uncovering stories that perhaps, you know, some didn't want to be uh, in the public. But because of the perception of the public of, you know, who journalists are and what they should be doing, some of the people that I spoke to were like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say out loud that I'm proud of what I do. But it, it it is still kept as an intrinsic motivation to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. This rings out on so many levels for me, Maya. I mean, in our conversations about mental health in particular, often the first step is just identifying the emotions that we that we feel and having a name for them. And that because if you don't do that, you've kind of got this strange, abstract, nagging feeling in you that you don't know really what to do with. Exactly. The unconscious emotions. That's exactly it. And there's just something very liberating about identifying something. Then you know kind of what to do with it, right? Exactly. And that's the whole point of emotional intelligence. So while the book uh, is like a briefing about what can happen. So, you know, these are the situations and emotions that might happen and giving uh, journalists tools of how they might react. You will have seen that each chapter is based on a model of emotional intelligence, which is called Stop, Think and Choose. It's uh, a very basic, yet I think quite effective uh, practice. If, if When you learn more about it, you realize that in some situations, you might have already been doing it. Yeah. Throughout this conversation, a few times I've sat there and thought, oh, yeah, I, I do do that, but I didn't realize I was doing it, you know? Exactly. But by realizing it... You can then do it more intentionally in the future. Exactly. And uh, just by making things conscious and making active decisions, by default, that makes a person usually feel better because you have agency over what's happening. It's not something that's happening to you. It's something that you're doing. And if we take that full circle, when we feel better, we can do our jobs better. Absolutely. Right. That's the whole point of this conversation is when we feel better, we can work as journalists better. That's it. Mm. Obviously, this this book has been informed by many industry professionals, but I just wonder when you kind of look back at your book, is there anything that really stuck with you from the insights that you gleaned? Any tips, any takeaways, anything you sat there and thought that's really resonated and stuck with me? Um, the the stop, think and choose model, uh, as you say, you know, I've realized that I have been doing it in certain situations, but as I started researching it and writing about it, I started practicing it myself. 
And, you know, I still do a bit of journalism, but I also teach and I do research. And even in private life, I've, I've realized how useful it is as a tool, you know, as a practice. Um, so I actually find myself regularly now stopping and asking myself, why am I angry? You know, why am I frustrated? Uh, what about this particular situation is causing me anxiety? And then what can I do about it? Um, and I'm now training my journalism students also in approaching challenging situations in work, but also in their daily life in this way, too. And I'm, I'm seeing quite positive responses from them um, as well. Emotional intelligence as, a, as an empowering technique is a really good place, I think, to, to leave this conversation, Maya. Thank you ever so much for coming on our show. I really enjoyed this one. Thanks ever so much. Thank you, Jacob. My takeaway for today is not to downplay your emotions. It is easy to discount how we feel, thinking that others have it worse or what we're feeling is trivial, or not realising that you're getting carried away in the moment. But it all adds up. Left unchecked, these emotions can become bigger issues. When managed, we're able to centre ourselves and remain in control. I'd love to know what you took from today's conversation. Find me on LinkedIn, Twitter slash X at JPG Journalism, or email me on jacob at journalism.co.uk. You can check out all of our episodes on all your usual podcast platforms, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.